I think what was really helpful was for me to admit that maybe I need help with this. Maybe I need somebody to walk beside me with this. And and of course, that's where coaching comes in, right? And yeah. you're a coach yourself. And and yeah. and and I I, I so I, I called them, you know, and we had a conversation, a wonderful conversation with them. And uh, the question I had in my mind and my reservation about signing on to the coaching yeah. was. Um, being new to a parish is this right. something I want to start first thing? They don't know me. They yeah. maybe know me by reputation or whatever, but they, you know, am am I going to change too much too fast here and just yeah. leave everybody behind? You know, um, and so conscious of that, I prayed for it and I discerned that yes, I'm. St- I, mean, I actually I'm going to sign up for the coaching because I'm probably going to be doing some of this anyway. Number mm-hmm. one, so why not do it with somebody that has experience with it with other parishes? Um, but also that um, I think really putting all the oars in the in the water, pointing in the same direction as a starting point is probably helpful. Welcome to the Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst in the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hello and welcome back to the Huntley Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Huntley. I want to remind you, you're in parish leadership and you're gearing up for a new ministry. I want to invite you to the Disciple Shift Conference that's going to be taking place in the Midwest. It's going to be in St. John, Indiana being held at a parish that I coach called St. John the Evangelist. It is an unbelievable parish that's focused on parish renewal and giving back. And so you're going to have a ton of fun. It's going to be on September the 20th, 19th and 20th. They're partnering with Alpha USA, and you're going to want to go to discipleshiftconference.com. I hope to see you there. Today, we're going to talk about four things that have turned around the parish priest's ministry as he leans into Parish Riddle, I'm so blessed to have with us today my friend, Father Paul McNeil. Father Paul, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me, Ron. This is going to be exciting. <laughs> I can't it's... wait to share everything that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't yeah, either. You know, good. I, I, was saying, I, I wanted to get John because each time we connect, uh, I just love your passion. I, <laughs> I love hearing what you're doing. <laughs> you're being coached by by Tom Corcoran and the folks at Rebuild, which I'm so excited about. We love those guys. And and I just love to yeah, talk because um, we talked ahead of time. There are four things that have, are really starting to, or that are making the biggest difference. And I'd like you to start with the first one. What's the first issue or well, we, opportunity it, that's making it, a And honestly, it could very well be the only one, but it's not. But it's mm-hmm. it's really, for me, I think it's 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 just having a, a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. I think that's that's absolutely the 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 first thing the foundation now i've you know you you entered i've been 24 years a priest and Mm -hmm. um you know you're constantly trying to renew your spiritual life you're trying to follow his will you're trying to you know but i i just find in the last little while last few years i just find myself constantly being drawn more into his love and and into his trying to follow his will what what he's doing you know and i think that actually has had a lot to do with kind of re, I don't know, re-energizing my own ministry as a pastor. Um, I just moved to the parish I'm in now. I've only been here for a year. 
Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, and thinking about Jesus Christ, if I can share a little bit about, about that yeah, background. Um, I just did a series of homilies in the last couple of weeks because we went down to Baltimore to the Church of Nativity to visit it, where Rebuilt is kind of built. You mentioned the Rebuilt coaching, and, and um, they, they have a great program down there, and, and it was really exciting to see it. So the congregation is asking, okay, well, Father Paul, tell us all about this. You know, I think, well, where do I even start? You know, So I did a series of homilies in the last little while just on, on our experience of, of rebuilding three, three homilies on it. And the first homily was a little bit about, I'm not going to give you the whole homily, don't worry. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Um, but, you know, my I, I was born and brought up Catholic, but in, in my high school years back in the late 80s, mid 80s, uh, early 80s, I don't know what, sometime back then, <laughs> it's a long way away. But I got involved with a Baptist church and it was an evangelical Baptist church. And my dad was a wonderful guy. He's still with us. Um, he has a degree in theology. So I would come, go to their church and oh, come wow. back and ask them all kind of questions. <laughs> you know, it was really interesting. But I honestly, they had such a passion for Jesus Christ. They had such a passion yeah. for a relationship with him. And that, that really awakened in me a vocation to the priesthood as well. And I ended up going to the seminary just out of high school. I left it for about six years, seven sure. years, and came back, obviously, came back. But but that, you know, and so what's happened recently, you know, is if, I've kind of been rethinking about that in terms of parish ministry. And I remember reading, um, you know, Father Michael White and and and, uh, and Tom Corcoran's book, Rebuilt. And they started off right out of the gate. Like, you know, if you look at what the evangelical churches are doing, they're blowing it out of the park. I mean, it's incredible what they're doing. And and is there something that we can learn from that, right? You know, yeah. now I, I picked that book up about 10 years ago or so. I, and in my arrogance, I kind of put it down. I say, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, <laughs> I've been through the evangelical yeah. stuff. I've been to the Baptist church. I accepted Jesus as my Savior a long time ago. I get all that. So if I'm going to get anything <laughs> from them, I'm going to go right to the source. I'm going to go down to Saddleback and see what they're doing. I'm gonna, anyway, ah. so I just kind of put it aside. But more recently, um, I think I had a couple of parishioners that um, they 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 were they were early for Easter Mass because we changed the Mass <laughs> times, and they they took a drive. We had live in a beautiful vineyard area with wineries around. So they took a drive. They got stuck in a traffic jam. They like got in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you know, the traffic jam was caused because a new evangelical church was opening, and they came back to church and they said, Father Paul, they're doing some amazing things over there. You know, we, we got to learn from this. And I, I kind of remembered yeah. back to, okay, my Baptist roots and my, you know, mm -hmm. I, 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 yes, I know, I get that. There's something there that's happening. Mm -hmm. But uh, then I, I so I, I went, I said, yeah. So I went and I, and I got uh, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Church from Saddleback so in Southern good. California. Yeah, phenomenal. I ate that up. But then I'm thinking well, to myself, man, there's got to be a Catholic version of this somewhere, you know. And then I remembered reading, you know, years before reading, you know, Michael White rebuilt and and Tom yeah. Quirk and, and they've yeah. done. I saw so all of a sudden I so I picked it up again, and you know I could not put it down. It was just it was just speaking truth to me, you mm -hmm. know. And I thought, wow. And what and what 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 Rick Warren was saying and 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 what Father Michael White was saying is that we gotta turn this over to God. We gotta turn this over to Jesus. And mm -hmm. I kept thinking to myself, well, am I doing that enough? You know, am, yeah, I, am I really, right, and I yeah. really, in, in, yeah, well, in my prayer, you know, I started yeah. thinking, Jesus, guide me with this, help me with this, like, you know, um, and, and so I, and I honestly think whatever happens, I honestly think uh, that's got a lot to do with it, you know, Isn't and it just beautiful? felt good. It felt good. Yeah. So was it the, uh, was it, was it that lady, those, those ladies that get stuck in traffic? Was yeah. that the catalyst that really had you go back and, and like, just, it sounds like there was some touch points there. You know, it almost like God was um, 
putting some things in place, putting the inventory on on the on the shelves. But then it yeah. almost sounds like that might have been the thing that had you go back and start pulling it together to start a movement inside of you. Is that fair? Is that what you're well, saying? Well, absolutely. Because I, you know, I mean, I've, I've tried so many different, I'm very enthusiastic about my pastorship and I want to do a good job. I want to be able to incur, but what are we doing? You know, and I'm not sure if I ever really understood that as much as I could have. I mean, we, we constantly, and I'm still learning, obviously. Uh, sure. But yes, that's a good, that's a good, the things seem to line up at that point. I think it was them coming back to me at that, it's just the way it hit, because I've heard that before. People have said that before. By the way, just to say one thing about this little series of homilies, one thing that really surprised me about it um, was for the positive feedback about it. I don't think any of us as clergy ever think that we do a good job preaching <laughs> anyway, but, but this, the, what came back was how many people said, yes, I used to go to this evangelical church. I know what you're saying. I get that. You know, we have to, we have to accept Jesus as their savior. I love that. And it was so refreshing to hear it in the Catholic church was, was what they were saying that, and that's mm -hmm. foundational. I mean, that's, 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 there's not the no theological issues there really. Right. You know, it's, it's about, uh, you know, it's our baptismal call, right? Amen. Um, but when they came to me that that Easter Sunday and said to me, you know, they're knocking it out of the park, like we, you know, somehow that hit me, you know, and that that got me to to kind of look at that again and say, okay, what's yeah, that's that's that God speaking to me through that, you know, and He was telling me, okay, wake up now, because I'm I'm uh, how do I do this? How do I, you know, I don't think what I was doing in that church was working. You know, as as and 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 that's why I resonated so much with Father Michael White. They they thought and 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 Tom Corcoran. They they thought if they could just do more and do it better, everything would be fine. But that's not the answer, right? And I was oh. at that parish trying to do more and trying to. Do, we got us through COVID, you know, and yeah, it was really yeah. tough. And yeah, and uh, you know, I, I met some really, uh, you know, so so, so it was. Uh, that that's just that realization that okay, there's a problem here. But there's we're not, you know, maybe the strategy we're using isn't really working, you know. So when I and, and, and so I and I asked to say they really picking up well, first of all, Rick Warren's book was was on purpose driven church. I actually yeah. I on um I recommend that. I mean Oh, me too. It's I think the, the way that yeah, though I mean he talks about seekers and he talks about, you know, missionaries yeah. and he talks about their different levels of, of, of growing and of giving and and I think that's that's really really good you know it's really good stuff i just want to i just want to go back because if boy yeah I, you said something that is so powerful to me i've never heard it said like this and it makes me smile your strategy was and michael white's strategy was more and better oh my gosh father paul do you know how many people that is their primary strategy more and better is burning Priests out, it's burning volunteers out, it's burning staff out, yeah. and we're not getting yeah. better results in terms of making new disciples. We're not, and so I just, I just love that you name that. I've, I've never heard that as a, an approach to, to, to doing yeah, church yeah. more and better, but it really is not helpful. Well, it's not, and there's all kinds of ego involved. In my my mm -hmm. ego, I mean, I mean, I would I would get people bringing Boltons back from because we have a lot of snowbirds here. They head down to Florida or whatever. They come to Father. Look at this church. You know, look how they're doing here. And it's, oh yeah, yeah, we suck. You know, is this awful? That's <laughs> part my language. We you know, really. What could I say that on that? Show? Of course, oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry. I'm sure <laughs> listeners say that from time. You know, you know, but I and I should learn not to do that. Okay, nobody bring me any Boltons <laughs> anymore because I get depressed after I read them. Hey. You know. Then I turned to the I, page where the collection is, and I said, "Look, there's eighty five thousand dollars there. <laughs> Start giving that. We'll do. We'll do more and better that way. Yeah, you know, that doesn't work either. But interesting. We, <laughs> so that see, I'm blushing now. You so see. this whole this whole but, yeah. conviction and growing conviction uh, to me, it's a it's a so obvious grace in your life 
of this call to yeah. deeper and 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 recommitting your relationship with Christ. And I hope people listen to that too. You know, sometimes lay people might think a priest, oh, you're always in this steady state of grace that's a hundred out of a hundred. It's like it's not <laughs> true. You know, no, we're all at a place not. where we have to be, you know, work out our salvation and fear and traveling and be aware of that relationship. And and there are times that we're in the desert and there's times that, that we feel like we're in the promised land and that's just the spiritual journey. And so thanks for your honesty. What's what's the second thing that that's well that actually leads difference? perfectly into it because you know I I think that that uh, probably one of the best virtues uh, the most effective virtues for a pastor um, is that anybody in leadership is is humility yeah. and you know I'm the most humble priest in the diocese I'll say that you know <laughs> but but in you know and and I think that what I had to do once I read Father Michael's book and I you know and I and I had to really challenge myself you know where is mm-hmm. the Lord speaking truth to me right now. You know, where is he leading me in, in terms of being a pastor? And I got moved right after that, right? So mm-hmm. I, I'm now at a, at a, at a, a much a smaller parish. And then mm-hmm. it, it was very, so, but getting back to the humility part of it, I think what was really helpful was for me to admit that maybe I need help with this. Maybe I need somebody to walk mm-hmm. beside me with this. And and of course, that's where coaching comes in, right? And mm-hmm. you're a coach yourself. And and, mm-hmm. and, and I, 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 so I, I called them. You know, and we had a conversation, a wonderful conversation with them. And uh, the question I had in my mind and my reservation about signing on to the coaching was um, being new to a parish. Is this something I want to start first thing? They don't know me. They may know me by reputation or whatever, but they, you know, am am I going to change too much too fast here and just leave everybody behind, you know? and so conscious of that, I prayed for it and I discerned that, yes, I'm, st- I'm actually, I'm going to sign up for the coaching because I'm probably going to be doing some of this anyway, number mm-hmm. one. So why not do it with somebody that has experience with it, with other parishes? Um, but also that, um, I think really putting all the oars in the, in the water pointing in the same direction as a starting point is probably mm-hmm. helpful, you know? Now I've I've I, I I did sign up for coaching before for another organization and it just didn't seem to feel right, which okay. is I think something important to consider as well. As you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, there are different coaches, there are different organizations. They're all good, they're all amazing. When I first started with the coaching, we have two coaches. We meet every second week, and then there's a course that we take as well on the off weeks. So right. we're meeting every week with somebody. Right. But I should have done this the first year I was ordained. You know, wow. uh, just this is so, it's been so valuable to me for a couple of reasons. Well, one of the things somebody said, this hasn't been the case so far, um, but one of the things somebody said was that, you know, if you make the changes you're thinking about making, you're going to have a target on your back, <laughs> you know, because not everybody likes change, you know, and we'll help you through that. Right. Well, so far it's been, it's, it's been great because, you know, um, we are, we are making some different kinds of decisions. Yes. We're not just doing more things. Mm-hmm. We're doing it with a very, with a very, with a good focus. And mm-hmm. and I do have the support of people walking along with that, with me in that. Um, and it's been, it's been, it's been really, really helpful. Just to, so, so actually, just admitting that, and yeah, maybe I can learn something mm-hmm. about being a pastor. <laughs> you know, yeah. And we don't have a lot of that in the Catholic Church, do we? Like we really. You know, I, I was fortunate enough that I had some great mentors and I was able to be an associate pastor for a couple of years before I got into it on my own, made a mm-hmm. lot of mistakes as a pastor. Um, and and maybe if I had the coaching beforehand, maybe I wouldn't have made those mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, um, who knows? Uh, but the other thing too is that 
um, I feel from the coaching so much, so well supported. Um, you know, okay, five years ago when I was being a pastor pretty much on my own, um, even though I did try to establish some good leadership around me, but, um, you know, there's so much weighing on my heart when you, when you try this by yourself, you mm -hmm. know, but when you're getting coached, you're no longer walking that journey alone. And it is a hard journey. Being a pastor is extremely difficult, really? you know, the decisions you have to make sometimes and, and you're good, you know, I mean, I can get into that, but, uh, but it's, it's knowing that you've just got somebody walking with you. They're not judging you. They're accepting you exactly. and they're positive and they're encouraging and they're, and they're going to try this. And this is what we liked about what you did that, the way you describe it. So yeah, I should have mm -hmm. been doing that a long time ago. So the decision actually to make the call, not just to read the books, you know, but actually to make the call yeah, yeah, yeah. and to get involved with an organization that's going to help through this was probably the yeah. second, the second thing. So the first was Christ. The second yeah. is the coaching, right? Love it. So that, the a couple of things there, one, cause there are two important decisions. One is it's, then they're both discernment. And I don't know when you're young and you're starting out, I don't know that there's a lot of people there. So, but I don't know that there's a lot of people who don't think they can do it or their own by doing more. I'm doing better. Right. I think that it's probably yeah. a strategy that, that, Hey, let me give it a go. I'll be able to do it. And so it's like, well, give it a go, you know, and, and I, I think there are very few people that at that early phase of, of being a pastor are, are that's even crossing their mind. You know, I, I don't think, and that's okay. It's no judgment, I think, you know, um, but then that other piece of, of, you know, discerning that, hey, I'm in a new church. Like that's tricky discernment too, right? Should I, shouldn't I? And I love that you asked yourself that question. And I love the answer that you gave yourself too, because I think it, I'm glad you did that because coaches um, often have a lot of experience or hopefully have a lot of experience and, and can, and have seen a lot of these different things before. And when we can learn from other people's mistakes and wrap that around your yeah. charisms and your gifts and your passion for what you want to see happen in your church, then hopefully we can help people make less mistakes. So that sounds like, uh, that was a neat discernment you had. And, and again, the, the other thing I want to praise you for, Paul, is you didn't um, you didn't give up when you had a, a experience of a coach that wasn't a good fit for you, and it was like yeah. you know yeah. some people that can be the discouragement. Well, I tried you know write off all the coaching because you didn't get a good fit. It's like uh, you know I had some bad haircuts in my day, and uh, you know I didn't stop. I can't believe my that. Haircut. I can't. I just. I just... <laughs> Me too, right? <laughs> but you still give your... Don't give up, Paul. Don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. But I love that. I think there's a lot in there that you just shared in that number two of coaching that there's a lot of wisdom and grace in there. And, and to your point, humility that it takes to say, well, look, give it a try. Because even if somebody yeah. does read some books, get motivated, take a step of action. And it, if it, it doesn't have to be forever if it's not, it doesn't work. So anyway, well, what's number three? Well, um, part of it is, is, and we spoke about it a bit before, what I liked about um, uh, Rick Warren's church down there, Saddleback mm -hmm. in Southern California, is they, they have a very, um, you know, uh, evangelical appeal. So do we as Catholics, the new evangelization, we're trying mm -hmm. to, to reach Catholics that are struggling. And I struggled myself. You know, the year I left the seminary, you know, I stopped going <laughs> to church. And, I, and, I, and uh, I, I sometimes joke with people, I'm working through the alphabet. I was an atheist and I was Baptist and I was Buddhist and now I'm Catholic. So there you go. I relate to that struggle of that, of that age group. And <laughs> what, I, 
what what we've done is I've created a fictional character, and this is this is based on the advice from the coaching as well. I know that uh, Father uh, Michael White and Tom Corcoran have done this as well. They call him Timonium Tim. So I made my own up. I looked at our our, our parish, St. Alexander's here in Font Hill, small town, growing very very quickly, and I and I came up a, a, with a description of who it is that we're trying to reach, yeah. and and you know. And there's no, it's not the person that's sitting in the pew every day. Yes, we're trying to reach them for sure and help them to grow. They're at a certain stage of growth. But, but you know, I think we're also really focused a little bit more on, okay, let's let's try and invite people here so they can they can know what it is that we offer because it's really mm-hmm. good. And it's what the world needs right now, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I made up this little paragraph description of this guy, you know, and I call him Fond Hill Frank because Fond okay. Hill's the name of the town that we're in. And, and as soon as I did it, I realized that there's like four guys in the parish that are named Fond, that are named Frank. <laughs> so and they live in Fond Hill. There's no, and <laughs> they happen to live in Fond Hill, yeah. But, but um, and that's been, what it is, is that that, that helps us to um, give a framework for our decision making. And I'll yeah. get to our decision making in a second when I talk about the fourth thing, but Right now, we try to see ourselves through his lens, yeah. and and to say, well, now why him? Why why not her? Right now, how, why not Fonio Francis? Well, I have read um, in 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 this particular kind of marketing strategy that if the father of a family is involved in the church, he has a strong impact on bringing the rest of his kids with him. And if the mother alone is is involved, it doesn't have that strong an impact. For some reason, fatherhood there is really important. So whatever. I mean, I I think I think that it's the, the sum yeah, of the same principles apply to both. But if you go for the one that's we hardest want them all. to get, we don't we're not excluding yeah. anybody. That's right. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And the hardest to get. We we just started a group in our church for eighteen to thirty four year olds. Um, you know, two or three people show up. It's 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 it's. But I think that's usually successful because it's a starting point. And 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 I and I love that. Somebody said to me um, the other day about it. Well, you know, your 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 young adult group is is failing. And I said, Well, wait a second. <laughs> you know, we we have it for one thing. You know, and I I have never ever even in in without coaching, I've never been concerned about numbers. People come. I don't don't whatever. God takes care of that. That's also, by the way, a point that Rick Warren makes. I think it's worth making again that God and so did Father Michael White and Tom Corcoran. They co-authored the book. I got to mention them both. Right. They. God causes the growth, right? God, uh, Warren has a beautiful image of the surfer. You know, the, the surfer, he's got the right equipment, he's got skill, he's got instincts, he knows when a wave comes up, but he can't make the wave, you know? And I think the same thing is up to, I think that there are, the, the, the opportunity here is just, it's just there are tons of waves coming at us with people that, that need what we give, right? That need tons, tons. We and. And so the question Rick Warren asks is not it's not what we are doing to create more disciples, it's what we need to stop doing that's stopping them from being disciples, right? You know? So I, I think that's a beautiful attitude. So we're surfing here, you know. And uh, one of my coaches is a surfer too, so that's kind of fun. But <laughs> from Southern California. Anyway. Um no, but but I I think that uh, that 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 is is the is the group that we're trying to reach. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that um it's really helpful in terms of us making decisions about the kinds of things that we're going to do. So right? I we just want to pause stuff, there for a know? sec, Father Paul, because yeah. you know you've decided, and that's a bold move. I don't want to, I don't want it to go understated. You decided your primary customer was not Frank in the pews, but Frank is not in the pews. It's that's not a small the not there. paradigm shift. That is a huge paradigm shift. You're saying as a pastor of a parish, our 
first responsibility is to reach outside. Doesn't mean we don't take care of the people inside. But you're saying our primary customer, we don't, we haven't even met them yet. Like we, they're, or they're not, they haven't even sat in the pews yet. That's what you're saying. Hundred percent, and 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 I think that's the mission of Jesus: go there for make disciples, right? And and yeah. um, and absolutely, we are we are trying to to reach reach that outside of us and bring them in. And yeah. um, you know, and and yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I don't know if it's working yet. I mean, it's up to God. No, it's only been there okay. a year. We have grown, doubled in size, right, in terms of the people coming. So that's that's been a good thing. Now we're not we're not talking about relativism here either. We're not going to water down the faith for them. We're going to try to present them with the truth that they need to Amen. hear, that they want to hear, whether they realize it or not. I guess we're not imposing something on them either. Yeah. But I think I guess the idea here is, um, I just want you to ask the questions. About Jesus and 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 seek seek Jesus in your own heart and, and we'll provide a space a safe space where you can do that and be yourself and be accepted, yeah, yeah. no matter where you are on your spiritual journey and God Jesus Himself is is who's going to bring you along with that, um and not me not anybody else and not the programming that we do and not the the million things and and and, and all that but it's it's, it's all, all those things are to bring that Font Hill Frank so that he can actually encounter Christ. And say, wow, this is this is good. I'd love if I you'd share the description yeah. for our listeners because you put a lot of thought into it and I really appreciate what you came up with. And and I hope this will inspire our listeners to think, hey, wait a minute, we can do this too. And and uh you they can rip some stuff off you if they like and or make that a, a launching pad to come up with your own. So please. Sure. Now you've you've heard this before, right? So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this is it. Um, not to be confused with any person named Frank. Okay. So right. Font Hill Frank, he's a devoted father with two school-age kids, uh, one on the way. So he's got a third one on the way. He's a great job. Both he and his wife work to make ends meet. Weekends are too busy for church, but he still believes in God. He's going to come with his family on Christmas and Easter and funerals and weddings and baptisms. His son plays hockey, his daughter's in dancing. Both go to St. Alexander's School, which is the local school here in the parish, uh, which is the main source of their information about Catholicism. His wife takes care of most of the religious side of things. Their teachers are in exactly the same situation as Frank. They try their best to teach the required religion courses in their school, but most of them aren't all that interested. Frank's parents go to Mass weekly, and his grandmother goes every day, but his grandfather has just passed away. Spiritually, Frank prays, but he also scratches his head when he thinks about the scandals of the church. He and his wife are not really pro-choice, but they have not given it that much thought. At least they know better than to enter into an argument about it with their friends. He and his wife have no issues using birth control. He isn't sure what all the fuss is about, but they are very cautious about what they refer to as the religious nuts in the church. They respect the church, but they have no issue with joining conversations about how corrupt it is with their peers. Face to face with the clergy, he is deeply respectful of them, and he will help out if asked and if he has time. He likes Pope Francis, and he considers him to be a breath of fresh air. He's not really sure what he thinks about Jesus, other than that he's a good example, and he agrees with his teachings. But he tends to think that all religions have their place and they're all good. Probably he could care less if the local church survives or not. It's just not that important to him. But deep down, he's searching for something. He's a bit lonely at times and wonders what life is all about. He feels most joy when he's indulging in fun things, but he knows that there's a cost. 
He's faithful to his wife. He tries not to screw that up because he knows how complicated life can get. So that's Fond Hill Frank. Now our goal is to move Fond Hill Frank from being a member of the community to being a disciple of Jesus, transform mm -hmm. his life into a life of genuine, deep, abiding joy on his journey with Christ. So that's Fond Hill Frank. You know, it, as you say, as you share that, one, what I just want to point out is how detailed your description was. Like sometimes when we allow ourselves to dream, we don't allow ourselves to dream with that level of of clarity, that level of imagination. And it's so important because the more clear you are with your dreams or even this fictitious person that you're trying to create, the more real it becomes. And, 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 and when you can consider those things, when you recognize those things, when you wrestle with those things, how you present, how you invite, the quality of your programs, how we do welcoming, how we do icebreakers, how we use our religious language, all those things start to become filtered through the sensitivity, not because we're, to your point, trying to water down the faith or, or give a uh, you know a lesser version of the truth. No, we're trying to meet people where they're at and bring them to a place where they can go all in. And um, I just really appreciate the work you guys did on that. That's impressive. Well, it's, uh, I think the biggest impact Fond Hill Frank has on me and in my ministry is probably preaching. Yeah. There's, there's not a homily that I've done that I haven't, you know, filtered it through his lens. Right. You know, he's going to sit there and hear this. What's he going to think about it? You know, and is it going to challenge him, you know, to, to ask questions and to raise questions and to, you know, um, and, uh, if, if, but, but you know what, I mean, yes, it's good to have that kind of focus, but, but the focus is they got him on this side and you got Jesus on this side. We've got a pretty specific picture of who Jesus is too, from the gospels. And I think what we have to do is read those gospels, you know, and, and really get to know who he is and what he's like and, and allow him to speak to our heart as well. Cause the two of them are going to meet, right. And they're going to meet in, in, in us, I think. <laughs> so, you know, somehow. Reminds me of the, the four uh, friends who took the cripple and cut a hole in the roof and lowered him to Jesus. Like, whatever it takes to get yeah. my friend to Jesus, we're going to do it. And, 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 you know, when a church has that kind of belief in Jesus and that kind of love for those away from him, they can do, they can do a lot of good work for the kingdom of God. Well, one of the things you mentioned Well, you earlier, know, Ron. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I just, just very briefly, I just came back from the Holy Land for the first time. I'd never been there before. And when we were on the Sea of Galilee and that little boat trip they give you, whatever, you know, I, I, I delayed that for a long time because I, I, I think Jesus is in our hearts as well. But I, I have to say I was moved mm -hmm. by seeing where he walked. And what I could, the only thing I could think about when I was on that boat um, was how much fun they must have had together. Um, of course, he's the son of God. He's full of love and, and, and how much his teaching must have meant to them. And, and yeah. just the joy that I can almost feel it like, wow, like that, they, they were excited to be with him. And then I think about what happened in Jerusalem when we went to see that and his suffering. The man was suffering for no reason. Like he was innocent, you know, and, and the only thing he did was speak truth into a situation. And I thought how helpless his disciples must have felt like through the desert, right? You know, and, and. He was a leader and now he's gone in a certain way. And I think that what had to have happened to them is they must have been transformed 
uh, through his resurrection in, yeah. in the way that we're also hoping to be transformed. So I think that that's really important to, to move him, to move Frank to, to encounter that as well, to feel the joy of a Christian community that loves him. Yeah. And then to allow him to transform his life so he can manage the difficult times, the desert times, and, and to see the value of it. So anyway, I cut you off there a little bit, Maybe I think. So. No, no, it's nice. I love that. When I think about, you know, the new evangelization, and I know you're fond of help, Frank, and I think Timoni and Tim, too, is, uh, you know, a non-practicing Catholic. And I know for us, when at St. Benedict Parish, when we're diving into that, ours was... Uh, I don't think we ever did as good a job as you guys did, but we, we always, um, we never limited it. And I know you don't either, but we never limited it to Catholics. God's at move in the hearts of his people, whether they go to church or don't go to church, whether they have a religious background or don't have a religious background, whether they're Catholic or non-Catholic. Eh? Is that, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're right. And, mm -hmm. and I think that part of my motivation is also and I think it was mentioned in in one of the encyclicals from Pope Saint Pope John Paul II. Mm -hmm. You know what is evangelization, right? We know go make disciples of all nations, but I think that there's a sense in which it also means conversion of the culture. You yeah. know, and so there's a much broader perspective. Yeah. Like, like, like culture is everybody, and yeah. it's all the social media communication, all this stuff. Yeah. The conversion of that culture, what does that actually mean? Mm -hmm. And I think that Jesus Christ and his teachings and himself have a lot to offer to that and can motivate that as well. It's very real. Love it. You know, which comes back to my first point about, you know, the relationship with Jesus, right? Amen. Break open the fourth thought, the fourth pillar for us or the fourth change. Shit. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think that getting more specific in terms of my experience here. It's been a, almost a year exactly. It's just shy of a couple of weeks before it's, uh, mm -hmm. I moved in here. The very first thing that I did, I was going to do this with or without coaching because I had read Patrick Lencioni's work on um, mm -hmm. business models and uh, his business side of his stuff. Death by Meeting is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, and he's done a lot of great work in terms of, of coaching and renewing parishes as well, which is really yes. great. But the first thing that I had done this at a Lady of Scapular as well, the church I was at previous to this, and um, I surrounded myself with um, a small core leadership team. Mm -hmm. And I did that here. The difference, and I had a great experience with that uh, at, at my previous parish, and it mm -hmm. really, really works. Um, it really works. Part of the humility too, right? I mean, you're not, mm -hmm. you're not, you're not a lone person here. Like you, you have to surround yourself. We meet weekly. Our group here at St. Alexander's meets every every week for two hours, and I've got this beautiful commitment from them. They've been with me the whole time. We've developed strategic plans. But I think more important is we pray together. And, um, you know, the other thing that may have been different this time than at, at, at um, my previous parish was that the the, the the core leadership team is is made up of parishioners, of people who come to that church every Sunday, with the exception right. of our secretary, who's also part of our team. Um, that wasn't so much the case under Lady of Scott, but the good people, wonderful people, very dedicated to the vision that I had, you know, in terms of what I was doing there. Um, but I do think that if a leadership team, they, uh, you know, they have to buy into your vision, right? And that's really, really important. Yeah. And to be able to, and that's what makes it work, I think. But right. I think to have them actually come to church every Sunday and be part of this community, I think has been really, really helpful as well. Um, mm -hmm. And we spend a lot of time talking about the, our strategic plan and um, our, 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 our mission statement is love God, love others, and follow Christ. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, 
we we revise it every year, not the mission statement, but we revise our strategic plan every year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is going to be an important year coming up because, okay, the first year I'm here, we're getting all of our paddles in the right direction. Yeah. I think now we're going to start moving and we'll see we'll see what happens. So pray for us and pray for our parish mm-hmm. and pray for all the parishes that are in renewal because this is an exciting time. It is. And know, it's, to be it's, Catholic. It takes a real pioneer to, to, to really embrace parish renewal and hold yourself accountable to fruitfulness, right? Not just the inputs, but hey, is this working? How can I get better? How do I need to evolve? How can I change, right? Because if you're not part of, if you're not the leading part of change as a pastor, it's probably not going to happen. And so I, I really pray for these people like Father Paul and these other pioneers who are trying their best because none of us know exactly how to do it, but we're, we're trying it together. We're learning together. And I find that so much fun. Paul, what's your hope as you look forward over the next few years? What's your hope as you continue down this road? Um, that's a great question. And, um, obviously for the church to grow here, um, more people to come to church, to have a, a really good experience, but it, that's not quite it. Um, for myself personally, I think that my hope is that more people discover who Jesus Christ is the way that I've been able to discover him. Um, I think that's what I really want because Fonhill Frank is looking for something mm-hmm. and he may not know who Jesus is. And if he knew who he was, I think he would surrender to him. Mm-hmm. And so I think my hope is, 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 is really just about trying to share that, that faith with people and say, Hey, this is, this is, you know, this is good. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is, um, something that maybe you need, mm-hmm. you know, and I want more people to experience that. And, and. It, it it's it's the growth the the fruitfulness will be a measure of how effective our strategies are yeah and and I hope that we do bear tremendous fruit and mm-hmm. and I think that this is I'd like to set Font Hill on fire I just like this to be just this this really not a mega church or anything but just a church where people can know and recognize hey come here this is a safe place for you to explore yeah. your faith and to encounter Jesus Christ and if 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 that can happen. You know that's uh, that would be very fulfilling, and it does happen, and it Amen. happens in me. It happens, and yeah. so that that's sort of my hope for 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 the future, if I can explain it that way. I love it. You know, thank you so much, Father. Yeah. Well, I know my hope for you. I'm going to sum it up that I hope I hope your traffic line from time to time has other people heading back to their churches and saying, "What's going on down there?" They're, they're yeah, what's going on down there? Yeah, come on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Father, Father Paul Frank in particular. Yeah, right. So good. <laughs> Brother, thank you so much for all that you're doing to build up the kingdom of God. Thank you for your humility, and thank you for sharing your learnings with us today. It's been really insightful. Well, I've enjoyed it, and it's a great conversation. I uh, I hope it's helpful to those who are watching it, and, uh, you know, you're always welcome here at St. Alexander's. So <laughs> thank <laughs> you, my great friend. to have you. <laughs> all right. God really bless you. Then. God bless you. Thank you to all of you that are listening and watching along. Thank you for what you do to make your parish or your business great. We have an opportunity, maybe even a responsibility as Christians, to make people great. And so wherever you find yourself leading, do your best to be your best. God bless you, and we'll see you next. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.